Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Power Forgiveness Podcast. My name is Dwayne Staten, and I want to thank you for tuning in for another episode. This podcast is meant to help those toward the path of forgiveness, for the ones who have been hurt, heartbroken, forever changed by something that was said or done to them, which changed their mindset, the course of their relationships, their future, and even their life in general. With this podcast, I speak about the lessons I've learned from forgiveness, and I give it to you, the audience. Hello, everyone. Since you've all been patient with me during my absence for the past two weeks, I have a gift for you. Not just one, but two. Yes, I said two episodes for this week. Today, I had my good friend Tierra Brown on the podcast, whose passion is to help people heal from past and present trauma and manage their mental health. As a licensed clinical social worker in D.C. and Maryland, she currently works for D.C.'s Department of Behavioral Health, providing mental health therapies to middle schoolers and their families. She also provides individual and family therapy to children, adolescents, and adults at a private agency in Greenbelt, Maryland. Today, she talks about how she had to forgive her mother, her past trauma, and also what she learned from Pastor Keith Battle's sermon on forgiveness. Trust me, this episode is something you do not want to miss. Also, for the new and existing listeners, please leave us a five-star written review. We would definitely appreciate it. It helps the podcast get more reach. And now, here's the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Power Forgiveness Podcast. My name is Dwayne Staten, and I have my good friend, Tierra Brown. Say hello. Hey, people. <laughs> I'm really happy because, like, I've known Tierra since high school, and, like, the growth that I've seen that right now, like, this year is just, I'm just happy for her. I really am. Wait, I think I might have a correction because you're a grade older than me, so I may have known you since I was in eighth grade. Wait a minute. Ernest Everett That's Justin. right. I was at EEJ. You were at Flowers already. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you were. Oh, yeah, you were. We were 07, in, that's right. We were all in Woodview. Yeah. Oh, my so. gosh. Woodview. Oh, my gosh. Ooh, as we talk about forgiveness. Oh, man. Woodview. <laughs> Boy. Oh, my goodness, yo. So I just want to do this icebreaker really quick and make it really fun. If you could magically become fluent in any language, what would it be? Okay, so my mind just always has to go out of the box. Go ahead. We want it there. Does telepathy count? ESP? Ooh. It does today. It does today. You know, I, I spend a lot of time every day talking with my mouth. Um, it'd be great sometimes if I don't even have to do that. We could just talk and just bing, like a little <laughs> you know? Conversation done, you know? And the conversation that you get in my head will be definitely different from the one you can get out of my mouth. Facts. It's facts. It's I, I see you play it funny. Like, let's say, for example, you have telepathy. I got telepathy. We talking, but we we like we using our minds. We just staring at each other, like. And then I, and then we're standing randomly. And I <laughs> and I am a very impressive person when I talk. So I'll probably just seem like this. And people were looking at us like, "Yo, what's so wrong with this?" <laughs> They probably think I got like Tourette's or something, like a tick or something. I'm just like having a bomb conversation up in my head. And y'all don't even know. Oh my gosh. That would be funny. Oh, that would be funny. What language? Yeah. What language would I want to magically learn? That's hard because it's a toss up for me. I want to say it's between Spanish and sign language for me. It's a toss up those two because spanish i know i know a little bit of spanish i do and i would want to be fluent so i can you know fully expand expand my vocabulary but sign language it's just so cool to see it because to see them communicate it it is um i i second both of those actually and i would say spanish is a good one because if you think about like spanish italian portuguese they all are mm-hmm. very similar so probably they are difficult to pick up on the other languages. Mm-hmm. And with sign language, I learned something really cool and interesting. Um, I know we are used to it, ASL, American Sign Language. 
but there is Black American Sign Language. I saw that video. I yeah, saw I that video. On Facebook. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. See, so I'm sitting here just like, that would be so dope. So I, it's between, that, see, that's crazy because if you go with Spanish, you'll have a leg up on at least three other languages. But with ASL, you get to communicate with a whole another community and learn ASL and Black Sign Language. So see, that's hard for me. And whatever other sign languages are out there as well, because I'm sure different countries have different versions and different dialects. Like even Latin, Latino countries, um, their dialect is different between like Peruvians and Argentine, Argentinians. That's true. They're similar, but there's it's like in the United States, like Baltimore and DC. We don't say two. No. But we're still from Maryland. Yep. And I'm gonna oh, tell you right, I'm gonna tell you right now, my wife's from Baltimore. Oops. And I'm from PG. And no, don't don't say oops, because that's a thing. It's a real, it's a real thing. Cause they cause it's a real thing. Like I she cracks on me for stuff. I crack on her on stuff. It's just funny. But you're absolutely right. It had like, oh gosh, that's hard. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Yeah. I'm gonna go with Spanish. I'm gonna go with Spanish. I'm gonna go. Mm, wait, do I wanna go with that? <laughs> hold on. Hold on. I'm trying to think. I never. I did not think I was get stumped on an icebreaker question. I did not think that. You know what? I'm just pick both. It's my show. I'm just. I'm just pick both. I mean, why? Why the heck not? I'm just saying, versatility. Yeah. Exactly, and that would be so dope. Um, Don't you start now? It could be a real thing. Okay, let me stop. That's a, that's a, that's another show for another day. Oh no, it's all good because I know we a might be co-hosting some shows because we might have fun. We don't have a lot. Honestly, we. You know, I'm a right. You know what? We're gonna write something together right now. We're gonna brand something new, something new for 2021, 2022. I am not mad at it at all. Not mad at it. Let's see. So, first, I said it again, but I really do thank you for taking time out of the schedule for coming on here and just being here. Thank you. And I know that you. I when I asked you to come on, I know that you you had a story to share. So please. The floor is yours. Um, well, my name is Tierra Brown. I am a licensed clinical social worker in both DC and Maryland. I graduated from, do I tell all that information? But I graduated from Frostburg State University, go Bobcats, with my bachelor's in social work. And then I went to the illustrious, lovely HU, Howard, stand up, took all my money, but gave me a great education. So um, with my master's in social work with a concentration in mental health. Um, so I am a therapist. I diagnose children, adults, teenagers with um, mental health disorders from the DSM-5, um, as well as provide therapy. I do individual therapy as well as family therapy. And I love family therapy. I love all therapy, but family therapy is like my jam. Um, But I really enjoy what I do. Um, Social work therapy is not for the faint of heart. Um, It it constantly, it's a a reflective process. Um, I look at my clients as mirrors. I feel like a lot of people have the perception that just because I'm a therapist, I have it all together or I know it all. And I let them know that a lot of my feedback is, is yes, from the educational perspective, but it's also from personal experiences and just the wisdom gained from that. So just the the mix of the two, the education with the personal experience just makes for a good time. So Mm -hmm. um, therapy is not an easy process. It is cathartic, yes, but it is it's hard. Healing is hard. Um, but it's it's necessary. I don't even want to say it's a necessary evil because it's really nothing evil about being healed. Um, but it is hard. And people sometimes have a misconceived notion that uh, I'll go to a few sessions and I'll be okay. And that's not the case. I look at... <clears throat> I, I do a lot of imagery. My brain is just very graphic, um, but I liken the art of healing, the act of healing to all my HGTV watches out there, DIY channel. Like to, to 
I would even say building a house because we don't get to choose the houses, aka the families that we're born into. So we come with a lot of stuff with us that we aren't even aware of, um, that we didn't even put on ourselves, but mm. we still are tasked to heal it. Um, I liken it to <clears throat> Property Brothers Forever Home. We are stuck with ourselves. We are our forever home. And when you live in a forever home, you have to do constant renovations, you know, um, <laughs> getting down to the, pulling up the floorboards, you know, redoing the joists, you know, that's how I like in healing and therapy. Like we have to pull it up from the floorboards. We have to redo the foundation. We have to go behind the walls, piping, plumbing, everything, hit the attic, everything. We, we got to change the roof line sometimes. It, it is constant hard work, but when you see the fruits of your labor and you're laying and sitting with yourself comfortably, it's like, dang, I did that. And <laughs> healing cannot happen without forgiveness. Forgiveness of yourself and of other people can happen. You, you can't have one without the other. They're not mutually exclusive. I love that metaphor. I love that metaphor because you're right. We are our forever homes. And if we want to get to where we want it to be, we're going to have to do the work. That's powerful. I like that. Um, not only will we have to do the work, um, but uh, so something I... <laughs> have a lot of little quotes and stuff. And so my clients call them tierisms. So I always think it's funny when my clients say, so I was quoting you today. And I was like, oh, you said my therapist said, and I was like, oh, no. Nah. It's like, yeah, and I'm like, okay. So um, it's nice to be quoted out there in the world. But um, with that being said, if you ever look at houses being um, rebuilt, remodeled, um, built period from the floor up, there's never one person out there taking this on by themselves. It requires a team. So I always say to my clients, like I say to myself, let your support support you. Like literally the, the no one man is an island. Um, imagine how long it would take one person to rebuild or renovate a house. You would never even get to enjoy what you're doing. No. Absolutely not. Ah, so again, part of healing and renovating is is also allowing other people into the fold because everybody needs somebody. Absolutely. Um, so it's 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 layers. It's it's layers within the layers. It's it's never ending. Like a kaleidoscope of healing, it just keep turning. It just keeps. It's crazy. I love that. I love that because. Honestly, I just pictured myself trying to renovate an entire house. Oh my gosh, I'd give up. I'd be like, look, man, just sell this property. Okay. Just, just sell it. <laughs> I'm done. And we I'm can't sorry. sell our forever homes. We I can. mean, we, we, we can try, but it, the transaction is not going to work. Ugh, you, you're probably going to need more healing now from that transaction that you just tried to do. Oh my gosh, yes. Again, it, it never ends. Never ends. Still think about building that house, huh? No. Not anymore, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, so yeah, it, it, it's, um, I, I have found that uh, much like myself, a lot of people have, whether they are aware of it or not, have been put in a position where they have to forgive before, before they probably can even say their own name, you know? Yeah. Um, and trauma is, it's, it's real, it's tough. Um, nobody ever had to forgive anybody for doing anything good, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a lot, it's... So I went to church one day. Um, I was telling you that I go to Zion, I'm a pastor battle. I've been going there since the eighth grade <clears throat> when I moved back with my mother. Um, how old was I? Okay, I don't know. Uh, I think you're like 13 in the eighth grade, maybe 12, 13. I don't know. Um, so I had to move with, I had to live with my mother since I was five. Yeah, five. So, but but I've always had a relationship with her in, in the interim. So um, I, my sisters and I, we live with my father's two sisters, older sisters. <clears throat> from, I was, yeah, from the age of five. So first grade until the end of my seventh grade year. <sighs> um, so my story starts with, uh, my, my parents 
being, I look at it as my mother and her time of life was in a very rough place. Her mother had just passed away. She was very mm-hmm. close. I'm named after my grandmother. Um, I literally had a, I have, I have dreams. I'm not trying to sound like a weirdo, but when I was somewhere in elementary school, I had a dream <clears throat> that there was, it was just a black room, it was like a little spotlight. And there was a lady in a rocking chair holding a baby, just, you know, rocking the baby, talking to her. And I recognized that the baby was me and that the woman holding me was my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandmother passed away before I was even thought about, you know, um, but and that's something that I've held on to since, again, I was in elementary school. Um, so I'm a very spiritual person. Uh, that is at the, the root of it all. My family plays no games with, with keeping your soul intact. So I've been in the churches since I was in my mom's womb. So vacation Bible school. And so my dad's side of the family, they are from, well, both sides of my family are from the country. But my dad's side of the family is from Charles County, Southern Maryland. And so in this particular area, everybody is family. Everybody is family. So going there in the summers, growing up, again, so we're in vacation Bible school. <laughs> we're in the youth choir. Um, so we're part of church. Church is a part yeah. of our life. Even yeah. on my mom's side of the family, we would go stay with my aunt uncle. We would go to church every Sunday that we were there. And they play no games. So go to going to um, what is it? Children's church. So always have an exposure to to God, to Jesus, to just trying to be better and do better, which is a lot easier said than done. Um, and and that's when the forgiveness kicks in. I I think that for me, the first person I had to forgive was my mother. Um, when you're a kid you see things from a kid-like perspective. You don't mm-hmm. see the whole picture. Even as an adult, we never see the whole picture. Um, but we don't understand the puzzle pieces that we're looking at either when we were a kid. And so I was angry at my mother for a long time for, in my mind, not doing what a mother was called to do, you know, in the eyes of society, in the eyes of the world, um, when it came to protecting herself and her children. Mm. and look looking back at it now I don't ever remember feeling the need to forgive my father Mm. it was never the case um and I don't know and I don't know why because I remember my mother all like I said in the interim us living with my aunts my mother was always there even in the midst of her trying to forgive herself and get herself together she always made a point to be there and so no shades in the bed, you know, but uh things were a little bit different for for that situation because my father's sisters were who was raising us. So we had a lot of access to my father. He had a lot of access to us. Um, so it was a different situation for my mother. You yeah. know, we were brought to my dad. Like, he didn't have to do anything. My mom came to us. So it's it's mm. different. And I didn't see that then. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. And so, you know, moved with my mom and that's when I was in Woodview, eighth grade. There was a lot that went on in that house. Uh, you know, when you think you, you move back with your mom, my older sister was there, my younger sister was still with my aunts. <clears throat> you think things are going to be different. You have this fantasy idea in your mind of what it's going to finally be like. It was nothing of the sort, let me tell you. Um, in that house, it was constant conflict. And and it's so crazy because I don't I mean I don't want to speak for you, but I don't know if people around me ever got that idea that there was something not okay. No. I'm I'm because I like no, I never got that vibe. I didn't. Knowing you, like every time I saw you, there was always a smile on your face. Every time and every time you'd be like, hey best friend, I'd be like, hey friend. <laughs> I remember that. I still remember that to this day. And it makes me a little teary-eyed because um, looking back, like my friends, my my counterparts, they've always been the thing to save me, to keep me anchored. Not saying that my family wasn't, but they're not here all the time. So yeah. the people you surround yourself with, it matters. Um, it does. 
And especially because uh, growing up, although me and my sisters are like stair steps, like boom, boom, boom. Yeah. I wasn't super close with my older sister. Uh, we were never not close, but I wasn't close because I wanted to be close. Uh, it was the, the I am my sister's keeper, you know, this is your sister, you have to take care of them. And I'm just like, okay, whatever. Um, so just, I remember living with my mom there, when we moved with my mom, there was um, her boyfriend that was there, um, who yeah. lived with us as well. And to live with a functioning alcoholic and you're trying to get to know your mother and you feel like your mother is more tuned into what's going on with them than with you. And it's like, you've lost all this time with us and now we're here and it's like, but looking back, you know, now I understand like it was survival mode. It was, she wasn't just surviving for herself. She was surviving for her children. And so that means she had to put up with things that she didn't have to. Yeah. Yeah. That helped me to start to not be so angry at my mom for, for feeling like she didn't choose us. But things changed, you know, forgiving somebody, society throws that, oh, forgive people, love people, love yourself, but they don't tell you what that means uh, and what it takes. And I will say, I think the thing that made it not such a daunting task to forgive my mom was that she wanted to do better. That's it. That's she, it. She wanted to do better. Um, she didn't just say it to make you feel good or give it this false hope. I, I saw it in her actions. I saw when she showed up for us. Um, I saw when she had to make those tough decisions to, to stay comfortable or to move for herself and for her kids. And to see her do that and still do it, it, it help me to have respect for my mother. Yeah. I think it's one of the aspects of forgiveness that makes things difficult is when you don't respect the person or the entity that you are being tasked to forgive. Um, people always say it's not for them, it's for you. But again, it doesn't make it any easier when you don't like the person or respect the person. Um, I wrote these notes down when I went to church one day mm -hmm. about forgiveness. Cause I always thought I knew what forgiveness was. Um, but maybe this maybe two or three years ago, a sermon that Pastor Battle did. And so I took these notes. Cause I was having a hard time at work with this mm -hmm. young lady who was really trying to make my life difficult. Um, it was going out of her way to be spiteful and to be vindictive. Um, but I'm, tr I'm literally trying to help kids with their mental health issues. What are you doing? Um, but again, I realized it wasn't about me. I mean, that's, that doesn't mean there weren't things that I had to work on and fix, but I knew that it was internally, it, the conflict wasn't with me. It was with them. Um, and then that's when this sermon popped up and it says, so this is what forgiveness has been broken down to in my mind. Um, so it says forgiveness gives a person better than what they deserve. Oof. When I tell you that calls for you, like Michelle Obama says, we do not go low. No. When I tell you, it is so hard sometimes not to just be like, oh, I just want to stick it to you. Like you deserve yes. it. Especially yes. when you feel justified. Mm. Oh, oh man. But that, again, that symbolizes that there's something in you that has to be healed while you feel like you have to give people back what they gave you to make you feel okay. Um, yeah. That's not peace. No. That's their piece. That's keeping the conflict going. So, um, so the next one is uh, forgiveness doesn't wish others harm or ill will. I believe in karma. I don't. I don't. I don't want to see. Even if I don't like you, I don't want to see you suffer. And I believe that everybody deserves what they deserve, and you get what you get. You reap what you sow. Um, but I don't want anybody just to be hurt just because you hurt me. Like that's, yeah. Um, Forgiveness, praise that God will bless them. 
Again, even if I don't like you, I don't love you, I don't respect you, I still want you to be healed and for God to do whatever it is that he needs to do with you so you can walk in your purpose. But just walk in your purpose away from me. Um, so, yeah, our forgiveness. Love them from a distance. Yes, yes. Or just, just be distant. I don't, I don't love them. I don't know about that. Everybody knows where that, but just be distant. Just be you know, distant. <laughs> Oh, what is this? Forgiveness uh, empathizes with others. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between sympathy and empathy. Um, and I, I agree that not everybody deserves your empathy. Um, empathy requires you to put yourself in people's shoes, to feel what they felt. It, it is a, a, a visceral process and experience, um, especially when it's towards somebody who you're working on forgiving. They've clearly done something to slight you. So that's not easy to empathize with somebody who's wronged you. It's mm-hmm. um, part of you feels like you're justifying their behavior and excusing it. Um, and I I now look at this as just, just not even trying to understand it, but I just get it. I, I'm not here to psychoanalyze you. I'm not here to be a therapist. You ain't on my caseload, but I get it, you know? Um, right. And now that I get it, just get away from me, but I get it. Oh, let me get away from you. Um, but I don't have to penalize you for being a human and having emotions and reactions and responses. Yeah. Forgiveness humbly interacts with others. <laughs> I remember Kendra Lamar's humble song came out and I was working um, in the DC high schools at this point. I was working at Blue, Dunbar and Coolidge. So I rotated three schools throughout the week for four years. Don't know how I did that, but I did it. Um, and I remember hearing all the kids going around singing, be humble. And I'm like, do you even know <laughs> what that means? Like, what are you singing? What, what, is, what does be humble mean? What does humility mean? I don't know. Like, just be chill. That, it, you know what? That, that's, that's completely, op- that's not what it means. That's okay. Yeah. Um, and it took me a while to, to really grasp the concept of what it means to be humble. <laughs> Growing up, my aunts would always tell me, you're not always right. You don't know everything. You don't have to have the last word. And, okay. Uh, So it wasn't until I was in the second grade that I I got all ones because I was a good student. But in the comment section, the teacher wrote, Tierra's a great student, but she doesn't take responsibility for her actions. And I was like, okay, what does that mean, mommy? She was like, well, we've been telling you. You don't admit when you're wrong. You don't like to apologize. You don't like to, I'm just like, no. And like literally from that report card in the second grade, again, it's been a journey. It's going to be a constant journey. I've worked on, you know, standing firm in my convictions, you know, being able to apologize, being able to be flexible in my perspective. Even if I don't agree with you, Mm. I'm not going to condemn it. I, I get it. I don't agree, but I get it, you know, um, and that's a lot of what therapy, because you'll be thinking, the hell, well, what the hell will make you go and do that? I'm the therapist. I might say it like, what, what now? Why the hell would you do that? What, 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 how we get there? Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's realizing how you played a part in the situation, how you played a part in the conflict. Uh, that's key. Done something differently. That's key because a lot of us, we don't want to acknowledge our part. We want to acknowledge everybody else's, you know what I mean? Like our stuff don't stink. And that's what, for me, I had to learn that. I had to learn that self-reflection. Every time something's happened, I'd have to say, what did I do in this situation? Or what did I not do? There we go. To get this result. And there are other times I have to consult other people. And I'll say, I need you to tell me if I'm in the wrong. And that's from, that's coming from the people, like the authorities in my life who I respect, like, you know, my parents, um, my wife, like even back then it would be like uh, my best friend. Um, I would talk to him like, look, you need to tell me, check me if I'm in the wrong. And there are times he'd be like, well, you could have done this different. Or there are times he'd be like, no, you're not in the wrong. But it's that that, humble part to say, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, he's like, you have to, if that's the thing, like, you have to step back and say, how did I contribute to this situation? That's hard, but it's necessary. Yeah, um, because I've, I found that even when, even when other people don't want to grow, we're responsible for our own growth. 
Um, and, and the reality is, is that these triggers and situations aren't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. But do we want to stay where we were prior in our growth with conflict resolution, meaning internal conflict as well as external conflict? I'm not trying to, I do not want to be the person I used to be. Yeah. Don't get it twisted. I love me. However, the grown me is a lot better. <laughs> yeah. When people always ask, what age do you want to be again? None of them. Age I am now. <laughs> yes. I don't know. Um, but, but being humble is hard. And I, I would say for me, like as humble as I like to think that I am, um, I know that when people say things to me and I, sometimes my initial reaction is like, what? No, 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 no. Because mm, I'm still, I'm still operating out of my feelings, you know? Yeah. So I, my, my head isn't, I'm, I'm being neck down right now. As Pastor Battle says, I'm, I'm operating in my heart, my feelings. And they say the heart is the most deceitful organ. Yeah. So it's creating that blockage, keeping that conflict going. So being able to check yourself as well as having other people around you to check you because they ain't going to always be there. So we got to have a system to check ourselves to say, yeah, okay, I, I, I ain't have to say all that now, you know. <laughs> all right. yep. um, it, it matters. Um, it's, it's growth. It, it allows you to have a starting point of how to do better um, now that we want to do better. And that kind of goes back to the art of having supports, having mirrors to reflect those things that we don't even see sometimes, you know? Um, yeah. Without them, we're, we're it's, it's a tough road ahead. Um, yeah. But uh, so, and then it's, so it says forgiveness is the testimony of taking the high road. Just as we can do or say something, doesn't mean that we should. And you know what? I, I have this gripe and I've been having it for years and I will say it now. I used to hate it when people, I'm gonna say even in high school, elementary school, middle school would say, would say, I'm gonna do this. Why? Because I can. And in my mind, I'm like, that don't mean that you should though. Yeah. And then when stuff backfires, I'm just sitting there just like, that's me sipping my tea, by the way. And I just sit there just like, well, yeah. Yeah. Just because you can do something doesn't mean that you you should. should. It's not. And I'm going to tell you this, that like, listen to that. Everybody listening, just because you can does not mean you should. And the reason I say that for me, this is me. You may get temporary satisfaction, but there could be things that is going to be worse coming back on you. And what you do may have a ripple effect. Not oh, just okay. for, it, it, it will have a ripple effect. There we go. It's, there's it always will. a ripple effect. And because that's what me. we as humans think, which which motivates us to do the foolishness. I may, there may be a consequence. No, there, there will be. It's yeah. just the thing about it is in our human mind condition, we think of the human consequences that could possibly happen. God ain't no human. What? You 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 thinking in a human form you know and, yeah. and it's it, it's all about delayed and instant gratification you yeah. know um and that's yeah. what i talk to myself about um when i be procrastinating and that's what i talk to my clients about you know sometimes we have to take the scenic route to get to where we want to be oh um, i love that say that one more time say oh. it <laughs> sometimes we have to take the scenic route to get to where we want to be i'm gonna write that down <laughs> See, I just be saying stuff and I don't, I don't know, but, but that's how I see it in my mind. Like, you know, we want a shortcut so bad and I got road rage sometimes. You know, I, just be, <laughs> I be want to get to where I got to go like ASAP. If somebody gave me a magical power, it would be um, teleportation. Just get me to where I need to be ASAP. Facts. I don't, Facts. so I myself am a rather impatient person when it comes to certain circumstances, but there's certain situations that can't afford your impatience. Um, but again, we live and we learn and we have to deal with the consequences regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it says, oh, so it's three more things. So it says, uh, forgiveness fights for peace. It doesn't engage in power struggles because it realizes that my response is my responsibility. Want to hear us? Oh man. That lesson was just reiterated to me this month. 
um, regarding my relationship with my older sister. <laughs> I, in, in my reflecting, I have realized that for some time, I've always felt the need to explain myself to people when they don't get me, when they're just not getting it. Because I feel like my logic is it's, it's logical. It makes sense. Like, how can you argue with logic, crazy person? Um, but, but I realized that that is, that is their, that is what they want to do. That is their right. That is their will. And I don't, why, why do I have to fight you on that? If yeah. you're not wanting to change your mind, shift your perspective, meet me where I am, okay. And I have realized that that has to be okay with me as well. Yeah. So I can have peace. I've worked very hard to know who I am, um, the, the, the good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah. I tell my clients that we are the monsters under our own beds. Again, we're stuck with ourselves. Get to, get to know your monster. Feed your monster. Give it a blanket. It ain't going nowhere. You know, that's what I tell my it's it's not going anywhere. So I, I feel like in those moments of conflict, when we're not, it says fights for peace. Uh, we think we're fighting for peace, but but that's not what it what it is. We're fighting to be heard and understood. That's not peace. Those are two different things. Um, and we have to be the ones to get to a place where we are comfortable with where we are. We stand firm in our convictions, whether anybody else stands with us or not, and, and not feeling the need to explain myself. Because when you feel the need to explain yourself to people who aren't listening, you get frustrated. You get heightened emotion. You're, again, thinking with your heart now. You're not thinking with your head. It's, it's like a pew, pew, pew. nothing's making sense. You're just reacting. Um, so that's why I like when my pastor said, my response is my responsibility, because there is a difference between being responsive and being reactive. So, it, which goes back to, you know, humility, being empathetic, it goes back to all those previous, you know, points about forgiveness. It's a buildup of, upon one another, these skills. Um, it, but again, it's, it's part of the healing of your internal conflict to even be able to get you through these steps of being able to forgive. Again, yeah. not just others, but for yourself as well. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> and, and yeah, I, I had a recent blow with my sister uh, where, you know, I thought I was in a much better place with how I respond to conflict. Oh, I'm not going to feed into that. I'm going to just protect my peace. And we all have triggers. Yeah. And again, when, when conflict arises, it's a moment to step back and say, well, how did I get here? What, what's within me to make me feel like I have to respond that way? Um, where is the, what is the perceived threat? What is going on in my mind, in my psyche, in my soul that I'm reacting like that and not responding in a way that I can be received and heard? Um, it, it takes two to tango. So it's easy to say that person was yelling at me and that person was just not giving me a chance to talk. And da, da, da. What did you do? How did you respond? And that's always the question. What did you do? I, know, I heard what the other person did. What did you do? That's a very key question. And, and, and thinking back to my um, blow up with my sister, uh, I, I thought that staying calm or what I perceived as calm, which was not responding as much to the foolishness how I would in the past. I thought that I was doing better with, with how I respond to conflict. But looking back, again, it helped me to realize I don't have to sit there and explain myself to people. I can say, you know what, hey, I'm gonna disengage right now. You're not in a space to hear and receive me. And this is, I want it to be a, a productive conversation. So I'm, I'm going to walk away. And me having to be okay with not being heard the way I wanted to, uh, be, me being okay with not being received the way I wanted to. Um, and, and, and that just having to be it, you know? It, you have to make peace with yourself. We, we want closure from other people, but they can't give it to us. We, oh we my give it to God. ourselves. Oh my God. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's a lot. That's <laughs> it. No, that's it, that's it. That is it. Like, oh my gosh. Yes, that is it. Oh, that's it. So it says forgiveness doesn't seek restitution and forgiveness maintains a positive disposition in spite of. 
So that's my list of forgiveness that I got from my church sermon a couple years ago that I, I wrote down. When you write down stuff, you retain it better. When you revisit it, you retain it even more. Um, so, so many stories of forgiveness. Having to forgive my mom, like I said, for feeling like um, she was uh, more in tune to her needs than the needs of her children. Well, that wasn't it. It looked like that, but that wasn't it, which is empathizes with others, you know, part of that forgiveness piece. Uh, that's not what it was. Um, maintains a positive disposition in spite of. Even though my mother and my mom was more concerned about him than us, she was still there, you know? Yeah. That's why she knew how to be there for where she was in her life. And for me to try to condemn her opinion, that doesn't mean I don't, I don't have the right to hold her to higher standards and hold her accountable, but I can do it with compassion. You know, I can yeah. do it with empathy. Yeah. Um, and that's what I encourage my clients to do for themselves. Um, hold yourself accountable with compassion. Yes. The same way we talk to ourselves is typically the same way we talk to other people. The same way we handle our conflict, it's the same way we typically handle conflict on all spans of our life. We, yep. we are creatures of habit. People don't change. I know that's a controversial thing to say, but we don't change. At the core, we are who we are. But when we know who we are, again, the good, the bad, the ugly, that monster under the bed, we can grow. We're still us. And it's still going to be there, but we're growing and we're not where we started. We're not where we used to be. You yeah. know, we could be relapses and regression. Yes. But because I've done the work, I, I know how to tap into that, see what's going on, how we got there, process it so I can move on and know better and do better. It's till the day you die. It don't yes. stop. People think you go to therapy. Ooh, I'm healed. No, no. You go to church for a week. Ooh, I feel better. No. Oh, I That's took cool. medicine for three days. I don't got to take the rest. Um, um, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, but you have people who think that. Yeah. All oh, my symptoms cleared up in about four or five days. Oh, I don't got to take the rest of it. You're a doctor now? <laughs> okay. And, uh, and you wonder why the, 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 the problem resurfaces. You, yep. didn't, you didn't kill it at the core. You didn't, you didn't do that. Yeah. And it's the same thing with our internal and external conflicts. You know, we can't necessarily kill it at the core. We get, can get down to the core of it to understand. So it doesn't kill us, our relationships with ourselves, our relationships with other people. It's more than one way to die. Spiritual death, emotional death. It's, 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 yeah. That's a, that's fact. That's a fact big fact oh my gosh forgiveness is so imagine my poor clients i mean they're getting all deep and they just be they tell me all the time like yeah after our sessions yeah i gotta decompress for like a couple hours maybe a day <laughs> I'm like i understand i'm sorry but i get it um because that's what processing is you know it is it is and i like how you said that earlier sometimes you got to take the scenic route to where you need to be and you're right, it's a process. It's not a one-step fix. For some, it might be, but for a lot, like for example, oh, you stepped on my foot, I forgive you, you're good. You don't worry about it. But something that's deep in you- You stepped on my foot when you knew that it was broken. That changes the circumstances. It does, it does, big difference. How do I forgive in that moment when I knew that you knew that you were trying to hurt me, it, it, it changes things. And that's when you really got to kick in that humility, that, that, you know, fighting for peace, that, that empathy, the not seeking restitution, because it, it can be real easy to be real petty, you know? Um, but as they say, the hard thing and the right thing are usually the same things. So giving a person better than what they deserve, that turn the other cheek thing. Ooh, some things you can't necessarily turn the other cheek for. Oof. But um, it takes time take and therapy. Time. It does take time and therapy. Reflection, support, mm -hmm. just, yeah, the whole gamut. It, and it's ongoing. Yes. Like I tell people, I tell my clients, like, um, how you forgive now in your 20s, <laughs> forgiveness may look a lot different when you're 80s. It, but, but having a foundation, again, it goes back to that house. Having yes. a foundation that you know is sturdy. I've done the work 
So yes. even if I get a little crack in the wall, I know that I can fix that. It, it's going to take time still, but not as much time as it would take for me to have to go now get an inspector and look at the floorboards and get elevation. You know, it's it's healing is not for no reason. Like they yeah. say, new levels come new devils and you got to be prepared. And if you're always starting from scratch at these levels, I don't know how far you're going to get. That's a fact. That's not, That's a big, big fact. Yeah. Big fact. So I want to ask this. When it came to forgiving your mother, how did you get to that point of forgiveness? I've always been a, a very vocal person. I, I have always been an expressive person. And but but even still, I, there is a part of me that wants to keep the peace. And once I realized that me keeping the peace for my mom, uh, when it came to me and my sisters, uh, my mom doesn't have sisters. So she, whenever she would see me and my sister arguing, it breaks her heart. And I recently told my mom that a lot of the times I kept the peace to keep you from being in pieces. I wanted to protect you mm. and trying to keep the peace when I, and I always end up in pieces, it wasn't working for me anymore. Um, yeah. yeah. And so I had to really, it came down to a, me and my, me and my sister, I had got, we were at the point we were about to get into another fist fight, another physical altercation. Yeah, it was, yeah. And I said, and before it happened, I just had to sit down with my mom because I was being purposely provoked and I had to tell my mom, I was like, you know what? I understand that you as a mom and that's the thing about my mom she was she's always willing to sit down and have a conversation and, and listen so it, it again it, it helps um when somebody is open and willing and not and is not just defensive um it helps to facilitate that healing process and, and it's a constant forgiveness um so I had to sit her down one day and I was like, you know, I understand that you as a mother, it's hard to be in the middle of your children. You know, you want to protect all of us. And I was like, and I get that. I was like, but, and I understand you think I'm a strong child. You never really had to, like, I, I've had a job since I was like 12. Like, you don't got to do nothing for me. Like, but I also understand that extreme independence is a trauma response. And I understand that about myself. Um, so and I let her know, like, just because I don't need you all the time, it doesn't mean I don't need you. I still need my mother to fight for me to still feel like you have my back. Um, and I don't feel like that. And I have to remove myself from the situation. And she understood that. Um, and, and as a mom, as a parent, it's hard to, to feel or to hear like somebody is condemning your, your parenting ability, especially when it's coming from your child. Um, but for her to be able to receive that and to, to hear what I was saying, it meant a lot. Um, it, it helped me to not close that door to, to protect myself. So, you know, this was my last year in grad school. Oh Lord, the year of 23, my last year, Howard, it was so tough. I was depressed. I had anxiety. I was literally learning how to diagnose other people as I was diagnosing myself. I was like, wait a minute now, hold on. <laughs> Okay, this is interesting. What do I do with this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so with that going on with school, my mental health, you know, fighting with my sister, I was in a really negative relationship. Um, and now fighting with my mom is just, it was just a lot. And, and I had to, once I knew that I had her support and she heard me, um, it helped us to, be able to have those hard conversations because that was the first hard conversation that I really had with my mother where I didn't censor myself. I didn't try to save your feelings um, and, and, and minimize mine. Um, I, I didn't do that that time. And her response to me not doing that let me know that it's safe for us to have these conversations. It's safe for us to, to progress moving forward. Um, and it, it definitely hit a lot of bumps in the road after that still, but, but I knew from that moment that whatever bump that we hit, I knew that she was going to fight for me, yeah, not fight with me. Yeah. Um, and, and even if she didn't get me, she, she would be there to support me. And that, 
And that's still the case to this day. We hold each other accountable. I know I can say tomorrow, you ain't have to do that. You ain't have to say that. Come on now. Like, you, you don't see how you could have said that differently. She's like, all right, okay, you're right. Okay. So it takes another person being just as humble as you're trying to be. Another yeah. person who's trying to keep the peace just as much as you're trying to be. That helps facilitate the process of forgiveness a lot better than when you have the opposite. When you have somebody who is not interested in keeping the peace. They're interested in being right. They're interested in being heard. Um, they're interested in having power and control in the conversation situation. They're interested in self-preservation. They're interested in the ego, um, in self-serving behaviors. And that, that level of forgiveness, that, that's a hard one. But again, doing that introspection inside of you to say, well, why is it so hard for me to forgive this? What is it that I'm having a hard time? Take the other person out of it. Because the reality is there could be another them in two seconds. What do you want to do then? It's how do we not make it about them? How do we make it about our healing? Yeah. You can't guarantee their healing. Yeah. You know, we still have to make sure that we're doing what we have to do for us, whether they're doing it or not. So yeah. that way, when conflict does arise, you're not just reacting. You're responding because I've done the work to understand my triggers, how we got here, how you got there. You know, again, I'm not your therapist, but I get it. And I understand that you're hurt and you're unhealed. And I'm not about to sit here and make it any worse. I'm not about to put no more scars on you. For what? That's the doesn't seek restitution part. Why well, I got to cut you just because you trying to cut me. I, I can heal myself. I'm good. I can heal that cut, you know. Uh, but your, your wounds, mm, mm, that's the empathy part. It's like you're that wounded and that unhealed that you have to cut people who, coming at you with their hands up hurt people hurt people and that's not, and to be walking around some people have been walking around with that for their whole lives yep and will continue to do that and that's the empathy piece where i i don't gotta hurt you like you look at you like mm -hmm. i don't gotta read you your life is a walking read your life is a walking read. You're a walking read. What do I have to read you for? Oh my God. And that's what I'm now. I'm just being petty. I'm just doing it because I can. Yeah. And he goes back to just because I can doesn't mean I should. Yeah. That's true. It's constant process of healing and forgiveness for yourself, you know, of other people. It's just a lot. I want, so you said for your mom, she was willing to have that conversation. So I want you, I would like to hear your perspective on the people who don't want to sit down and the people who don't want to have that conversation or don't even want to acknowledge they're wrong. What would you say for, what would you say to that situation? The recent situation I just had to figure out for myself. Trying again, trying to prove your point and your worth, your perspective to somebody who's not in a position to receive and understand that. It's you have to know when to let it go. As they say, no one to hold them, no one to fold them. And that's the humility part that you don't always have to be heard and you don't always have to be seen. Um, as long as you know what's up and the people that you have around you know who you are and that you're actions and thoughts are aligned with what God got going on for you, what else can you do? You apologize, you acknowledge, you atone, and you move on. And if that other person is not in that space and place, you can't force them to be in that space and place either, which is why I say you have to realize when you have to stop explaining yourself to people who are not interested or just in a position emotionally or mentally to hear that or receive that. And you have to be okay with that to know that you tried. Um, if there's something that I could have done different, I'm going to do that. And even if that person still isn't here um, to receive that or to witness that, what does that have to do with my healing? I learned something new for me to do. So next time somebody like you or you does come around, I'm not responding in a manner that I have to sit back and forgive myself for. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that one. I like that. So now, what does forgiveness mean to you? Forgiveness means I get it. 
I don't agree with it, but I don't have to be stuck on it. Mm. I don't got to be stuck with you. That's a choice. And I don't choose that. I choose my peace. Even if, again, the resolution, the closure, other people can't give that to us. I had, case in point, I was dealing with the guy, stopped talking to him. Two years later, this person came and knocked on my door out of the blue. Two years later. Um, yes. And in those two years, I was thinking, you know, if I ever saw him again, I would say this. Blah, 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 blah. Came back around. Of course, I opened the door because I just, me and my curiosity, I can't help it. Um, and I was so proud of myself for not being in that same place that I was before. And I spoke my piece and I didn't care if they agreed or not. I said what I said. And you can do with it with you, what you may. I don't care, but that's where I am with it. Because even though you said sorry and all that stuff, because I know your character, it means nothing to me. Mm. So what, what did that do? Nothing. I had to be the one to give myself that closure so that I knew that when you said sorry or apologize, I'm not, I'm not going to be like, oh, that's BS. No. I just know that, that you, you're going to tell me what you think I want to hear. And I'm just going to say, all right, because I know that that's what's happening. And I know who you are. I see you. And I don't have to be a part of that. So you want forgiveness? Give it to yourself. I forgive you for being who you are and I forgive myself for not seeing that and seeing what I wanted to see and putting myself in a predicament that I could have possibly avoided, but I did it because I had to learn what I needed to learn, which is what I had to forgive myself about. Beating myself up is not going to help me learn the lesson. Absolutely not. If someone scolds you, how do you, do you retain that message, that wisdom, that lesson? No, you just retain the chastising. The, the the demonizing the diminishing me yeah that's i'm not about to do that to myself i'm not about to let anybody else do that to me either not anymore so i forgive myself for for again not seeing what i needed to see i saw a facebook post that said um when you have on rose colored glasses all of the red flags look pink so i had to forgive myself for having on those rose colored glasses and I had to do the work to figure out why, who, what, when, where, why, how did I get this? So I don't have to be back here again. Or if I am back here again, I surely won't be here for long. So forgiveness of yourself allows you to be able to absorb the lesson at hand, absorb the wisdom that needs to be absorbed and apply it. Because all the time you spend scolding, you're not learning. You're just being mean to yourself. Accountability with compassion, it makes a difference. A big whole difference yeah. big whole difference what is something that you wish you learned earlier in your journey to forgiveness let people think what they want to think who are you to try to change their minds if they don't want to change their minds they don't got to change their minds keep it moving do what you need to do you're not here to do it for them do it for yourself they don't get it they don't have to get it as long as you get it Move on. Stop trying to really leave the horse to water, but you can't make a drink. All that energy I'm exerting trying to pull you to the water hole. I could be drinking water in my damn self. I'm over here dehydrating for somebody who don't want to be hydrated. What? Facts. 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 Nothing but facts. Nothing but facts. I had to learn that the hard way. <laughs> I had to learn that the hard way. So I'm going to have to learn it again, but I know that I'm going to learn that lesson way quicker than before so Facts. i'm not dehydrating myself trying to hydrate somebody who don't want to be hydrated at least not with the water that i'm trying to give them big facts you want to go to another water hole by all means do your thing don't let me stop you and what do you want to impart to the people listening healing is your journey it's it's it is your responsibility I, I told my client the other day, if somebody cuts you and you see that that cut, that wound needs tended to, are you just going to sit around and wait till they finally figure out that they need to heal the wound that they created? Or are you going to do the work 
and 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 clean it, it, it get it looked at before it gets infected and, be t- and, and turns septic or, or turns into a worse problem than what it started with. It's your job to heal yourself, even from the wounds that you did not inflict upon yourself. It is still your job. It is your job. And if you don't know how to do it, go seek out somebody who can help you figure it out. Because again, Thanks. everybody needs somebody. And if Thanks. you don't want to stick around this earth for the short time that we have, being unhealed and, and wreaking that same havoc upon other people, go find somebody that can help you know better and then do better. Facts. Facts. Nothing but facts. Nothing but facts. Yeah. You made me cry, laugh, all that, shout. Oh, look at this. Gotta love it. <laughs> I drink my lemonade. Oh man, but honestly, thank you for coming on. You dropping all these gems, these truth bombs, Tierraisms, everything. You dropping everything. And I just want to thank you for coming on. I appreciate you because shoot, you spoke to me. And I'm just like, wait a minute. This macho. You know, I was like, wait a minute. I I I didn't think I was gonna be ministered to, but I'm here for it. I'll take it all. I will take every everything. Um, so right now I'm giving you the floor to promote yourself, let people know where they can find you, social media, website, whatever it is, the floor mm-hmm. is yours. So I am currently in the process of working on building my brand. Um, it's a lot of work and it's scary, um, but I'm, I'm trying to push through and get it done. So I don't have my own plugs right now, but if anybody needs some advice or um, clinical feedback or expertise, um, you can certainly send me a message on Facebook. Um, my name is, what is my name on Facebook? Tierra, T-I-E-R-A Brown. You can find me that way. I'm going to just send me a message and I can, people do it all the time. So you can certainly do that. Um, if you want to DM me on Instagram, all my pages are private. So I don't, can you message, can people like message you even when your pages are private? I don't know. I don't think they can. I don't think so. Well, I think that it goes into like a request folder. So if- Yes, that's right. That's right. I apologize. You're right. So we learned that from T-Pain. So- that's a mess. So if you, if you want to uh, DM me on Instagram, my Instagram name is birds underscore always underscore the underscore word. So birds always the word with some underscores in it. Um, so yeah, if, and I and and when I have my LLC and all that stuff popping, my social media branding popping, I'll be back. Absolutely. We want to have you back. Oh, yeah. I want to have you back. We're we're going to have you back. It's not a question. It's going to happen. We're bringing you back. Um, Tierra, thank you. Really, just taking time out of your schedule to just talk to us and just thank you. I appreciate you. I really do. That was an amazing episode. Oh, my gosh. That was powerful. Thank you, Tierra, for coming on the episode and not only dropping gems, but dropping Tierra-isms. Sometimes you have to take the scenic route to get to where you need to be. Sometimes we are our own monsters under the bed. When you have rose-colored glasses, the red flags look pink. And accountability with compassion is a big difference. Wow. So many gems were dropped. I want to thank you again, Tierra, for coming on this podcast, being open and honest and vulnerable with your story. Also, for new and returning listeners, please leave us a five-star written review. It helps the podcast get more reach, and we would appreciate it. I know that there are times where we don't have the strength to forgive those who have hurt us, to do what it takes in this episode, and more. We can only do these things with the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins to be forgiven in the past, present, and future. And he rose from the grave to give us eternal life a relationship with God himself, power over sin, and power over the enemy. If you want Jesus Christ in your life, just pray this. Dear Lord, thank you for dying for my sins and my wrongdoings in the past, present, and future. I confess and believe that you died on the cross for my sins, was buried, and rose again. I give my life to you, Lord. 
please come to my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you pray that prayer, I want to say welcome to the family. This is the best decision you could ever make in your life. Now that you've made this decision, get in a good Bible-teaching church who preaches the gospel and message of Jesus Christ. You can look on Google, social media, and ask family and friends for recommendations. Also, there may have been some things said in this episode that may have triggered some bad memories and bad feelings. If this is the case, please seek a licensed therapist to talk them out. You can go through your healthcare provider, Google, or ask family and friends who receive therapy for recommendations. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Power Forgiveness Podcast. If you like this podcast, please share this with other people. You never know what they're going through, and the episode you just listened to may help them. I also wanted to let you know the Power Forgiveness is on Instagram. That link is in the show notes. You can also leave me a voice message on Anchor. I would love to hear from you. Also, I need your help. I'm enrolled in a coaching program through my local college, pursuing a certification in life coaching with the International Coach Federation. As part of the curriculum, I need to reach 100 hours in order to become certified. I'm open to connect with individuals who have an interest in being coached and moving the needle in their life or needing help in forgiving those who have hurt them. Many people have an interest in moving from where they are to where they want to be, and coaching can be the key that unlocks that potential. I'm asking if you or anyone you know might benefit from coaching to please contact me. I'll be happy to chat more about it and be grateful for the help it provides to further my qualification. If you're interested and want to help, just click on the link in my bio and schedule a session. I want you all to have an amazing week. And remember that forgiveness is not letting what that person or people said or did to you affect you, your spirit, your future, or where you're going in life. And that's not an excuse for or enabling someone's behavior, but not letting what that person or people did hold you back or keep you from being or grabbing all that God wants you to be or has for you. Have a good one.